0: Start our family 30 series. I want to welcome anyone that is a first-time visitor here with us. We're glad that you're here. Maybe you got a a invite card. You got a mailer. Maybe somebody said, "Join me and come to church." We're glad you're here, and uh, we are starting a multi-week sermon series talking about the family. Believing that your best family could be found in 30 days. I'm actually going to preach for the next four weeks. I'm going to talk about things you need to add to your family, things you need to take away from your family. I'm going to talk about blended, mended, and extended families because some people are in a family situation now that they didn't know they'd be in, but they are now, and they're saying, This is unique. How do we deal with this? And then we're going to talk about the titles that we are given, that we choose, that we need to live up to. For instance, in my own life, I was a son first, then I was a brother, a husband, you know, a father. Uh, there's another title, Someday Coming My Way, Grandpa. You see what I'm saying? So there's, there's titles that you live up to that are given to you. And so we're going to talk about those things. And then in week five of the series, um, we have a guest speaker coming in, Ted Cunningham. He did a marriage night here. And I just want to let you know that we had about 400 people here for the marriage night standing ovation. I mean, just roaring applause. And I said, if we brought him back, would you be excited about that? Yes. I mean, so we brought him back. He'll actually be here on Sparkle Weekend. All right. So, ladies, you are going to get Holly Wagner and... uh, um Julie Mullins, and, and then uh, Cunningham. I mean, that's going to be an amazing weekend for you. And so that's in the series. So glad you're part of this. There's a lot of value adds for the series. Let me just tell you, there's a lot of things that we did for the series. Everyone today on the way out, every family gets a, a Family 30 magazine. And uh, we want you to read it. We want you to use it as a tool to maybe give away to somebody. Um... If we have any left over next week, we'll give them out, let you hand them out to people. But again, it gives you what's going on in the church up ahead and some great articles written by our team. We also have some uh, wristbands here, some little bracelets. They say family 30. You can just be reminded it's your best family in 30 days. It might be an opportunity for somebody to talk to you about it. You know, our youngest son has a company and he says, wear the story. I'll let you wear the sermon here. And you can do that. It's black and gold if you go to Burnsville. It's your colors. There you go. Um, So, But it's a great thing. We want to give you these things as value adds for the series. And I just want to say, you know, this is... uh, Clinton and Portia Allen, he, he's our worship leader, and she does our local projects, and uh, they now have their fifth son. She was pregnant in the picture, but little Shep is here, so congratulations to the Allens uh, on their family expansion. We love those guys. Now, I want to say as we get into this series, I want to give a shout-out to Connor and Logan. Connor and Logan our beck and I, we have two boys, Connor and Logan. We are so proud of them. Um, they have been just an unlimited supply of sermon material. I'm just going to let you know. And um, I've shared it before, but not all of you know it. But every time I would use them in a sermon when they were younger, I would pay them $5. And so, you know, you'd walk out of church and you'd be like, oh, your dad talked about you. And instead of them being like, great, they would go, cha-ching. Okay, so good parenting. And um, But I want to say this, that... I have no hesitation to preach on parenting with the two boys that we have. I am so proud of them. They are not perfect, but I will tell you this, they are amazing. And um, going into ministry, people would say like, hey, watch out, preacher's kids. They turn out bad. Watch out, preacher's kids. And people talk negative all the time. And, and I, as the, so many people kept saying that, like, oh, watch out, you know, Hophni and Phineas in the Old Testament were bad, preacher's kids, bad. You know, and watch out for the preacher's kid. And I just was praying over the boys one day, and God reminded me that John the Baptist was basically the son of a preacher, okay? And John the Baptist turned out pretty amazing. And I started praying John the Baptist blessing on my boys instead of Hophni and Phinehas curses on them. And I said, my boys will be blessed, and my boys will turn out good, and my boys will be raised in the ways of the Lord. And I can just tell you we're so proud of them we are, it, it's an honor to be able to preach this and have no hesitation. I don't have to say, like, here's what you should do, didn't work, and that. I, I could tell you with great joy that they have done an amazing job. And I got a great compliment the other day. Uh, a pastor friend of mine said, Hey, you could do parenting seminars for the rest of your life. He said, I've seen the way your boys have turned out, and whatever you did, I want to know, and I think other people want to know. That's a huge compliment. So for all the pressure that Connor and Logan have had growing up as PKs, you know, you know them, they don't know you. People walk up in the mall, they're like, hey. You know, they're like, hey. You know, like, Good <laughs> sermon illustration. You know, so again, thank you, Connor and Logan. Love you. I know they're at our other campuses, Minneapolis and Shakopee, but huge shout-out to them. You've made your parents proud. Now, in this series, I want you to reexamine your habits, your thoughts, even some of your beliefs. I want you to be open to the way that God says to do family. And I know not everybody comes from a church background. I know not everybody comes with a biblical understanding. And so we're going to try to bring everybody up to speed here. But I want to challenge you to this, to really believe that you can have your best family in 30 days. Now, I I know that there has to be pressure even. Some are even thinking like, I I can't even give a shout-out to my kids right now. Pastor Rob's up there saying how his kids turn out great and we can't do that. I want to tell you this. God can change your family right now. God can change the atmosphere today. Habits will need to be broken over time, but the atmosphere in your family can change today. You can decide today, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm going to change. I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to this family is going to turn around. So over the 30 days, we're going to break habits. We're going to get rid of things, add things. Talk about these places that we are. But I believe right now many of you need to grab this and say my atmosphere is changing in Jesus name right now. This is my best family in Jesus name. Now I believe this God created the family. As we look in the Bible, we see that God created the family. I believe he owns the copyright for it, the patent for it. And whatever he says about the family, he owns it. We should do what he says. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us that God created Adam. And when he created Adam, he said it's not good for him to be alone. In Genesis 2.18, he said, I will make a helper suitable for him. And so God has Adam and he says, I want him in a family. I want, it's not good for him to be alone. And so God creates a wife for Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, continuing on, verse 22, it says, Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. A family was started, but there were no children yet. There were no children in the family, but God wanted children to be in the family. And... I will keep this PG-ish, all right, a little PG, but I just have to talk about this. In order to have kids in the family, there has to be sex in the marriage. Somebody's like, I'm glad I'm in church today. All right, all right, I got it. And my wife has given me the evil eye. All right, I got, it, I got it. All right, it's all good. PG. I just want to say this. Sex in marriage is a great thing and should be fun for the husband and wife. And if it's not, there are wonderful, great Christian counselors that you should go and talk to. I believe that this is one of those things that uh, it needs to be enjoyed in marriage. And it's in marriage. We told our boys when we were telling them about sex, we're like, it's a wonderful thing. It's fun. And people say, don't see that? Tell them it's yucky and bad. I'm like, but it's not. All right. you know. And we told our kids the truth. But we told them that God's design was to keep it in marriage. We told them that it was there. And um, I won't say much more about this other than this. Um, sex in marriage is like the spark plug to the car. It's not the most important thing about the car, but it's not going anywhere without a spark plug. And if if there's no spark going on, again, please see a Christian counselor and, and get the spark in your marriage. All right. Moving on. All right. God created family. It belongs to him. It's His marriage, it's his family. They're his kids. He has established the order. And if you do it his way and you go with it his way, I'm telling you what, it's the best way. And I believe this about God. God loves the family. He cares for the family. And he wants lots of love and care in the family. He does. That's why when we read in Genesis about the very first account of a murder, why it's so reprehensible to us. The very first murder in recorded history is a brother killing a brother. God's like, I want the family to love each other, to care for each other. I love and care for the family, and I don't want it to be done like that. God talks to Cain, and he says, where's your brother? And he says, am I my brother's keeper? And God's like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. I wanted you to love him, and you hated him. God wants love to be in the family. God has so much love for the family. It's incredible. Think about this. God put in rules and order and provisions to protect the family, even to protect the vulnerable family, the blended men and extended. He's like, if a woman loses her husband and she becomes a widow, there's rules for you to follow. Don't take advantage of the orphan. In some societies, the orphan is a throwaway child, not in God's book, not in God's view. God's like, I love the family, even when the family is broken up in that way. Two of the Ten Commandments are for the family. He's like, children, obey your parents and the Lord, that you'll have a long life. It'll go well with you. Another one, don't commit adultery. He's like, these are to protect the family specifically for that. You know, Jesus is being asked about divorce and in and, and Jesus in Matthew 19, he's like, God is against frivolous divorce. God loves the family. So he's putting rules and guidelines in there. He gives responsibilities and he gives authority. I want you to understand every authority that you have in your family is a delegated authority from God. God is the authority over the family and God gives that authority to members of the family. And his order, I'm just telling you how you see it in the Bible, in 1 Corinthians 11, in Genesis, you'll see this. Again, in Ephesians 5, we'll get there in just a moment, but you'll see it's a delegated authority that God gives to the family. And he gives a delegated authority to the dad, to the husband. It's a delegated authority. And guys, we didn't do anything really special to get this authority other than we were created first. The Bible says man was created first. He has the first position, he has that authority position. But God says, I'll make a helpmate, you know, out of the rib, not to be lorded over. It's out of the rib. He says, a helpmate. And I want you to gather this. It's like two generals. Two generals. One has seniority over the other one because they enlisted first, but they're both generals. And no general in the military would ever tell another general, Go get me something to drink. They would treat them with great respect and honor. We'll get there in a moment. But it's a delegated authority. It goes from God to dad. And then the mom, on behalf of the dad, who's on delegated authority from God, has authority over the children. And there's a delegated authority there that when the children are talking to mom, they know that mom's being backed up by dad. It's the way that God created it. Kids, you are in charge of the pets, okay? That's your authority, all right? And all pets are on the lowest form down there, even Yorkies, all right? <laughs> They're cute, but on the bottom, all right? Uh, we, had, we had a Yorkie, and it hated our kids. <laughs> yeah. And they bought the dog, you know, and it's sitting on the bed, and, you know, they'd come in the morning, good morning, mom, dad, the dog. Like, so we gave it to my brother. So um, we did. And anyways, um, you say, I can, I can hear it. some people are like, wait, 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 wait. I'm not sure I agree with 1 Corinthians 11 and Ephesians 5 and Genesis. I'm not sure that that order, I'm not sure in our family, we're not sure we're going to do that order. Well, how are you going to determine the order? Whoever's strongest, are they in charge? We know where that's going. Whoever has the most volume, whoever has the most intensity, whoever has the bigger paycheck, how do you establish the order and says who? Who? Okay, God established this order. And he, again, not to lord, but He gave delegated authority. I mean, what if you set the thing like, well, whoever's smartest in our family is in charge of the family? What if you give birth to a baby genius? You're like, whose family was that from? Not mine. You know, like, I don't know. Now they're smart. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Try to equal the playing field. Make them watch TV, Kardashians or something. You know? Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? Like. Let's dumb them down, you know? I mean, okay? There's an order. There's an order. And it's, a, it's God's established order. And when you stay in order, you head toward your best family. When you change the order, you're heading towards a mess. And I'm here to tell you, your best family is keeping that order in the right way. Now, let me just talk about that. Ephesians 5, I referenced it. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Now, let me just stop for a moment there. Um, I love what a friend of mine, Rick Bezette, said about this. He said he noticed that the Bible doesn't say, wives, love your husband like you love yourself. But it says, husbands, love your wives like you love yourself. And he said, here's why. He said a woman could be a 10, and she's standing in front of the mirror. Perfect. And she's like, I am so ugly. I am so fat. Look at me. I'm hideous. A guy can stand in front of a mirror, bald, big gut, food in his teeth, hasn't worked out in years, and he's like, you the man. You know what I'm saying? That's why God says, men, love your wife like you love yourself. <laughs> he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for the body, just as Christ does the church for are members of his body. Right there. Now I want to talk about love. It's very clear you're supposed to love. That is, You're supposed to love like Christ loves the church. High bar for men. But he also says submission. I want to talk to you about this. Submission means to come under the mission. That's what it means. It means I'm joining your mission, and we're a family, and I understand that the family has a delegated authority from God, and I'm coming under your mission. I would say this to men. Do you have a mission that she wants to go under? If you don't, you better get a mission. Okay? But submission means to come under that uh, vision, and there's respect, and there's honor for the woman. Again, she's a general with you. She's not a private And there's great honor my father taught me that there was honor for my mom there was great honor for my mom i mean one time i said you know what she said and he's like who's she i'm like uh mom he's like you don't call her she i was like do you know what queen mother most excellent said i mean (laughs) I, i learned right there you know honor baby honor but submission doesn't mean silence and servility oh, I'm being submissive. I'm not saying anything. We're heading to danger and I'm not saying anything. Yeah, that's not submission. That's just silence. Servility means like you're serving, but you don't have any dignity and honor in it. It's like, okay, anything. Oh, okay. I'm being submissive. Oh, okay. That's not submission. That's wrong. You are still being submissive when you're saying, hey, I think that house is a better buy than that house. I think our credit card debt is a little out of hand. I think the kids need some dad time. Hey, We need to tone back the anger. Hey, I don't think it's a good idea to sleep in and miss church. You're able to open your mouth and share, this is what I see. And ultimately, you're going to submit under that mission, but you're not going to live in silence and servility at all. You're going to be as an other general, yielding to the seniority that God has set in place, realizing that's delegated authority. And for the kids, I'll tell you this, your role is to obey and submit. It says, children obey your parents. See, your parents see things that you don't see. And so the Bible talks about you submitting to them and coming under their authority. And I can remember when Connor and Logan were younger, we were walking in the parking lot at Target, and you know, we're walking in, and I said, You hold my hand. You hold my hand. And they're like, Why? I don't want to hold your hand. I said, You gotta hold my hand. And they're like, We don't wanna we we're old enough, we're big enough. I said, wait a minute. And I took them over to a minivan. And I said, can you see the rear view mirror of that minivan right now? And they're like, no. Can you see the, driving, the steering wheel right now? Can you see where the driver would be? No. I said, okay, dad can see it and you can't. I can see things that you can't. So until you can see the rear view mirror and the driver can see you, you will hold dad's, dad's hand in the parking lot. And you will push the cart in target and don't hit my ankles. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Don't hit my ankles. That's... All right, so kids, yours is to obey and submit, all right? Now, authority when exercised in the right way, again, is led with love. That that authority is led with love. Man, that is out of love. And and I, I believe this, authority when done the right way is really serving. It's really serving because you're saying, it's my responsibility to make sure that everything's taken care of in this family. It's my responsibility to be, make sure everything is taken care of, that everyone is, is blessed. This, I, I'm gonna really make sure that we're living the right way and moving. So when it's done the right way, it's absolutely incredible. Now, if you're gonna have your best family, you're gonna have to have God as the top of your family. Psalm 127.1. Now, I, you may say, well, I'm not of a faith persuasion. I'm gonna tell you what, you can't have your best family until you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can't have your best family until you realize, Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. It's his house. It's his family. It's his marriage. It's his. And so you put him in first. You say, you are first place. And I love these, these rules that people have, these Pinterest rules. And one of the families in our church let us have this. And... I love these things. It says family rules, you know, keep your promises, share, say I love you, do your best, hug off and great rules. I'm gonna tell you this: every one of these things, you know, the family rules, and here's who we are. It should start with God is first. As for me and my house, Jesus is Lord. He this family loves Jesus. We're on mission for God. It, it shouldn't even be down here like we do faith. Some of them might say like we do faith. Up top, top, top. Right here. You want the best family? It should be everything we do glorifies God. He's first. God is building our home. And um, that's the way we need to do it. We need to say, God, you are first. You are the one. You, it's you. It's about you. So let me give you some practical things. I've kind of laid some groundwork. and Practical things. Things you should add to your family. Make sure that you're doing. First thing is you need to have intentional family time intentional family time. 64% of parents admit to spending less than one hour playing with their kids per week. Those same parents admit that they watch 15 hours of TV a week. Put down the TV. Put down the remote. I thank God that I I didn't have a, a, a handheld device when the kids were young. I mean, we're so distracted now. But Put it down. Let's give them the time. I love what Chick-fil-A does. Not all of them do, but I believe the Apple Valley Chick-fil-A does this. If you take your phones and put them in a little phone cage, and then you have your meal and you actually talk to each other, you get to go up and you get a free dessert. There you go. That's a value add right there. They're closed on Sunday, by the way. All right. You're all like, go to Chick-fil-A tomorrow. All right. Hebrews talks about don't forsake gathering together. I know it's talking about the church family. It's saying don't give up meeting together. It's saying be intentional about getting together with your church family. Move that to your earthly family, your home. Let's not give up spending time with each other. Okay, maybe that's too broad for you. Like, i fly right into my family. Deuteronomy 6, 7, it's talking about the things that you know about God. It says impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It's saying time, 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 spend time together. And I'll give you a few tips. First thing is, use up all your vacation every year. Unless you're saving it for a special occasion next year, use it up every year. You are cheating your family. You're cheating your marriage. You're actually cheating your boss. I know that the workplace doesn't think that way, but you are. You are. They're paying for a fresher you. They're paying for a you that invests in the marriage, invests in the kids, invests in your wholeness. And you should be able to outperform by by taking vacation rather than not taking vacation. You need to do that. You need to get important things on the calendar first. And I want to show you this little illustration here. Got all sorts of props I'm going to get to. Both of these jars have the exact same contents. This one here, we put the big things in first and the little, little things last. This one, we put the little things in first and the big things last, and they didn't make it. Same contents. This one still has room. It has margin. Isn't that a novel idea? Little margin. This one has no margin. It's, over, it's not even gonna stay in. Put the big things in your calendar, and people won't argue with your calendar. I've learned this about our culture. If you say... I've got something on Thursday night. They don't go, well, what's on Thursday? It's not family, is it? You know, they don't do that. You say, oh, can't meet Thursday. What about Friday? No. What about this? Can you move that? No. You know, and you negotiate. You don't have to tell them what it is. Put it in there first. And I have a huge debt of gratitude to my wife and my personal assistant. They make sure that those big rocks are put in there so that I don't schedule too many small things and not have the important things in my life. You need to do that. Um, Once a quarter, give your kids something to look forward to. It doesn't have to be that expensive even. I mean, it could be just going to visit grandma and grandpa. It could be going to a hotel for a night that has a pool in the middle of winter. You're like, indoor pool. Just something fun that your kids can look forward to. And... Really, it doesn't have to be that expensive. When we asked our kids, we were like, what were some of the best things we ever did with you? Like, let's talk about time spent together. And they're like, remember the time we played catch until it was so dark and we couldn't even see? And I'm like, yeah, and we took you to Disney. It was a lot of money. And they're like, yeah, that was good too. And they're like, and remember when we were making dinner and it was all the best and all that? And I was like, yeah, we took you to China. <laughs> you know? It's like buying your kid a great toy and they want to play with the box, all right? I'm going to tell you what, the box is this. The box is time with you. And sometimes when it's not like so pre-planned, but it's just this night matters and you matter and we're going to have fun together. Sometimes you make a memory out of a mess. I'm just telling you give them time all right moving on pray for and with and over your family pray for and with and over your family again James 5 talks about prayer in a general way but you should add this to your family therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective there's all sorts of examples of people praying and blessing their children in the Bible pray for them with them over them And I understand not everybody knows how to pray. I mean, some of us do morning devotions and prayer at dinner and then prayer after dinner. That's what we did. We had this series called Reclaim the Table. Some of you need to dust that off and look it up online. We prayed at bedtime. But I understand not everybody knows how to pray. And so let me just help you. Pray for your kids or for your spouse. You don't even have to be in their presence. Pray for them, then let them know that you did it. You don't even have to pray out loud. Like, God, help my wife. Then send her a text. Hey, I prayed for you today. Do that for your kids. Who's doing that for them? So pray for them. It doesn't have to be out loud. Then you can grow to the point of like maybe praying together and then closing it with an out loud closing, like in Jesus' name, amen. Then maybe you could pray with them out loud. Then maybe you could get to the point where you pray over them and you lay hands on them. I have pictures of my dad in my mind laying hands on me. You know, heading out to Bible school and at the airport, laying hands on me and praying for me in front of everybody on that concourse. I was a smidgen embarrassed at the moment. Now I'd give anything to have my dad pray over me and again. You just pray for and with and over. And I'm telling you, when I pray over our children, when Beck and I pray over them, we pray the scripture over them. We pray things like found in Timothy, like we're going to pray, Lord, that no one would despise their youth, but they would be an example in their purity, in their conduct, in their speech. We're praying the scripture over them. Let them live up to that. We pray 31 biblical virtues over our children, one each day. This weekend is self-esteem. It is um, faithfulness. And then Monday is courage. I can tell you this, I've prayed courage over Connor and Logan so much. I've prayed this prayer they probably have it memorized. Lord, I pray they'd have the courage to do the right thing no matter what. Even if nobody else stands with them, God, I pray they'd have the courage to always do the right thing in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, I'm praying those virtues over them. We're praying for their life in every area. We've prayed for their future spouse. We're like, Lord, whoever's going to marry Connor, whoever's going to marry Logan, we pray that their wife would be amazing. And we used to pray, like, and if they haven't been born yet, we pray that you have not be born into a great family. And then one day Connor's like, hey, Dad, I'm 16. Like, if she's not born yet, <laughs> help me out. You know, like, <laughs> drop that. <laughs> All right. So we don't pray that anymore. All right. I'm telling you, this is something that you need to do. Pray for, with, and over. Third thing, teach them. Teach them. It's your responsibility to teach them. Deuteronomy 6 doesn't say, hey, bring them to church. It says that you are supposed to teach them. And so many people are like, bring them to the experts. Let them have them. You no, know, you go there. Matter of fact, I'll show you this. Another prop that the team has given me. This represents the time that you have with your kids during the week. This represents what we have at church. You, us. You, us. We have very little you have to be active in raising your children and in teaching them. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hero O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. He's saying, talk to them. You have to teach them. It's your job. It's your responsibility. And I want to say this. We have set you up for the win at River Valley. I have a bunch of resources here. I'm going to tell you about something we're doing at our church. I mean, I love what we're doing for your kids to help you. I mean, obviously, we have JBQ for your kids where they learn the word of God. Um, We have so many different things. We give them a Bible on their dedication day. We have different Bibles if they give their life to Jesus Christ. Um, Every sermon series that we do has a placemat for your family. A placemat. It shows you how to do devotions with your children. Why we want you to be the champion. We want you to be their main discipler. I was a youth pastor for years and the kids thought I was cool and they let me speak into their life, but they thought their parents were irrelevant and, I, and they loved me and they tolerated their parents. And I was thinking, that's not right. The pastor should be the assist leader to the parents. And so we want to set you up for the win. So our team has written a whole curriculum for every sermon series for you to, to get the win with your family and to be able to disciple them. When your children give their life to Jesus Christ, we have a book for them and now a book for you. You get to walk your children through the foundation of their faith. We're setting you up for the win. In addition to that, i got to tell you something. This is very relevant for our series, and we're launching it right now. Go Kids University. I've got to tell you this. We're changing the way the midweek is done at church. It's a huge risk. The team had to sell me on this. Instead of just a traditional, drop your kids off on Wednesday, drop your kids off on Wednesday, drop your kids off. They said, we want to do something different. We want the parents more involved. We want to do it different. And so the rest of the church world is watching us, and they're saying, can you do this? Are you going to be okay? Are you going to do a good job with it? And they're saying, if it works, we'll do it too. So we now have a new curriculum for the kids on midweek, and this is what Go Kids University is. On week one of the month, on the Wednesday... You come to church with your kids. They go to their class, and you go to a parenting class. And we're going to help you. We're going to help you answer those questions about tech and media and building self-esteem and doing family devotion. We're going to help you, and we're going to train you. Week two is going to be milestones. If your child gives their life to Jesus Christ, if they want to be water baptized. So week two, you'll come only if you're in one of the elective classes. Otherwise, it's your Wednesday night as a family. Week three is we have a lesson prepared for you to teach at home. Church is at home on midweek. You don't have to worry about soccer schedule or this or running around. You could do right on the side of the soccer practice as soon as it's over. Invite other families in. Do VBS in your yard, whatever, you know. My mom used to invite the whole neighborhood to our yard for family devotion. She was having VBS right there. The fourth Wednesday night of the month is Go Kids Night. That's a huge blowout night, huge. That's a great night to invite friends to. That's a great night for you to say, hey, here's a first look at church. And then anytime there's a fifth Wednesday of the month, and that happens four times a year, so anytime there's a fifth Wednesday of the month, they're going to have a service project for you and your kids to go and do together so they can see you and, and mom and dad serving with the child and being able to see that this is an investment in you saying we want you to become the champion we're setting you up for the win and i want our church to give our best effort to this because if this works the whole church world is saying we need something new midweek attendance is on the decline and kids aren't being discipled we think this could work if it works at river valley churches are going to follow it so give us feedback on this all right I got two more things I'm gonna say and I'll make them quick. I know the keyboard's playing. It's kinda of like winning an award. And I wanna thank my publisher and ah you know, and they're taking me <laughs> off the stage. All right, yeah. All right. And by the way, we're gonna pray as a family at the end. We're gonna pray as a family at the end. Each your own family, all right. Two things, I'll be really, really quick. Add your family discipline and hold them accountable. I did a whole teaching on discipline in the Before Google series, so I won't talk long on it because we talked about discipline, timeouts, banking, whatever. We talked about that last summer. You know, go online and look for it. Um, The series is called Before Google. But I will tell you one thing about discipline. You need to be zero tolerance on lying. I'm telling you right now, my parents would say, if you lie, it's double the punishment. Why? Because here's the thing. Kids do a lot of things wrong, and they do it out of haste. They do it out of ignorance. They do it out of a lack of reasoning skill, and they do things wrong, and they need to be corrected. But lying, lying is cold and calculated. It's cunning. It's also against authority. So your child is thinking, I need to deceive, lie, not I need to cover this, and I'm, I'm against an authority that's why you have to really stop lying. That's one you cannot, uh, you know, a little white lie. You need to stop lying in your children and discipline that because if they'll lie to you, remember, you're under delegated authority. They're lying to the authority that comes from God. So you got to stop the lying and, and really go after that. And aren't they all say on rules? Children thrive with rules. They really do. They want to know the rules sometimes. They push the rules, but they want to know if the rules are really there, if it's really a safety rail. And I want you to understand, rules are like the bumpers in bumper bowling. How many know what I'm talking about? You bring a kid to bowling, what do they do? They just throw the ball, and it goes in the gutter. And they're like, pfft. But that's not an illustration of life. Kids on their own will go into trouble. But you put the bumpers up, and they roll the ball down, and, and the ball eventually gets to the destination because the bumpers were there. And all of a sudden the bumpers make it more enjoyable. The rules in your home are actually there as bumpers bringing your kids to where you ultimately want them to go. So have good rules in your home. Last thing I'll say is this, serve others. Serve others. Everyone has a gift, uh, First Peter talks about, and you need to serve others. Our kids were part of the serving days around church. We went on global teams. We served together. They were in Club 45. They were serving and working, and we did it together. And they're talking about this, that if your kids see you serving, that helps them to hold on to their fate, faith. Who would have ever thought that you joining a life group or a life team and doing something like that and saying, we're going to do this together would actually help you be a better parent. And you're going to serve together. And I'll give one last shout-out, not about our family, but a family here at the Apple Valley campus. I don't, I don't remember who it was, but you'll know who you were. It was the cleanup day. We were doing the cleanup day, and hundreds of people showed up to go clean up our city, serve your city, local projects. And Becca and I were there. We had our trash bags and our, you know, vests on. We're ready to go and do it. And I saw a mom with a young baby. She had a little snuggly on, and the baby was right there. She had her trash bag ready to go. And I said, train them up young. And she's like, absolutely. And it just hit me. There's a child that's going to be raised up knowing the values of that family. There's a child that doesn't even know it, but before you can even pick up trash, you were in the snuggly out there on mission for God. And that mom didn't say, well, I had a kid. I get a two-year pass. You know, man, She had the snuggly, and she was out there making a difference serve together. You need to add that to your family. And when you do, I believe your best family will happen. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us to add these things to our life, get in the right order and add these things to our life. Our best family can happen. The atmosphere can change in Jesus' name. The habits can break in Jesus' name. We can add good, eliminate bad, and move forward to the family you have called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen.